Chapter 5. Recognizing Child Abuse The first step in helping abused or neglected children is learning to recognize the signs of child abuse and neglect. The presence of a single sign does not prove child abuse is occurring. However, when these signs appear with significant injury, or they occur repeatedly or in combination, the professional must take a closer look at the situation and consider the possibility of child abuse. Special attention should be paid to injuries that are unexplained or inconsistent with the parent's or caretaker's explanation and or the child's developmental age. The following are some signs often associated with particular types of child abuse or maltreatment. Physical abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, and emotional abuse. It is important to note, however, these types of abuse are more typically found in combination than alone. A physically abused child, for example, is often emotionally abused as well, and a sexually abused child also may be neglected. The list that follows contains some common indicators of abuse or maltreatment. This list is not all-inclusive, and some abused or maltreated children may not show any of these signs and symptoms. First, physical abuse. Physical abuse is often the most obvious form of abuse. It is any non-accidental injury to a child by a parent or caretaker. The mandated professional should pay close attention to any frequent injuries that are accidental or unexplained or that are developmentally unlikely or any explanation that seems unlikely. Physical Indicators of Physical Abuse For photos of specific injuries and to see a copy of a form that can be used to document physical abuse, please go to Chapter 5 of this course on the website www.accesscontinuingeducation.com. Physical abuse may present as frequent and unexplained bruises on face, lips, or mouth, on torso, back, buttocks, thighs, may be in various stages of healing, on several different surface areas of the body, may appear in distinctive patterns reflecting the shape of the article used, such as grab marks or human bite marks, electric cord, belt buckle, etc., and fading bruises or other marks noticeable after an absence, weekend or vacation from school or daycare. Burns. Cigar or cigarette burns, especially on the soles, palms, backs, and buttocks. Immersion burns, sock-like, glove-like, or donut-shaped on buttocks or genitalia from having feet, hand, buttocks, and genitals immersed in scalding water. Distinctive patterned burn impressions from appliances or instruments such as steam irons, curling irons, etc. Rope burns on arms, legs, neck, or torso. Cuts, welts, swelling, sprains. Fractures to skull, nose, facial structures in various stages of healing, multiple or spiral fractures, swollen or tender limbs, lacerations or abrasions to mouth, lips, gums, eyes, to external genitalia, on backs of arms, legs, or torso, human bite marks, and injuries to the eyes or both sides of the head or body. Accidental injuries typically only affect one side of the body. Child's Behavior Possible Indicators of Physical Abuse The following behavioral signs do not necessarily mean that a child is abused or maltreated, but should be considered in light of other indicators. These behavioral indicators are often general, potentially pointing to a problem that may or may not relate to abuse or maltreatment. The child may be wary of adult contacts, may shrink at the approach of adults, 
Be apprehensive when other children cry. Be overly afraid of the parent's reaction to misbehavior. Show sudden changes in behavior or school performance. Not receive help for physical or medical problems brought to the parent's attention. Have learning problems or difficulty concentrating that cannot be attributed to specific physical or psychological causes. Be always watchful, vigilant, as though preparing for something bad to happen. Lack adult supervision. Be overly compliant, passive, withdrawn, or emotionless behavior. Exhibit destructive, aggressive, or disruptive behavior. Exhibit behavior extremes, such as appearing overly compliant and passive or very demanding and aggressive or withdrawn. Come to school or other activities early, stays late, and does not want to go home. Be uncomfortable with physical contact. Exhibit low self-esteem. Lag in physical, emotional, or intellectual development. Frightened of the parents and protests or cries when it is time to go home. Either inappropriately adult, parenting other children, for example, or inappropriately infantile, frequently rocking or head-banging, for example. Has attempted suicide. Reporting a lack of attachment to the parent. Reporting an injury by parent. Wearing long-sleeved or similar clothing to hide injuries. And seeking affection from any adult. Some parental behaviors that may be possible indicators of physical abuse include showing little concern for the child, denying the existence of or blames the child for the child's problems in school or at home, taking an unusual amount of time to obtain medical care for the child, attempting to conceal the child's injury, taking the child to a different health care provider or hospital for each injury, offering an inadequate or inappropriate explanation for the child's injury, Offers conflicting, unconvincing, or no explanation for the child's injury. Disciplines the child too harshly, considering the child's age or what he or she has done wrong. Asking teachers or other caretakers to use harsh physical discipline if the child misbehaves. Seeing the child as entirely bad, worthless, or burdensome. Demanding a level of physical or academic performance the child cannot achieve. Looking primarily to the child for care, attention, and satisfaction of emotional needs. Describing the child as evil or in some other very negative way. Having a history of abuse as a child. Being unduly protective of the child or severely limits the child's contact with other children, especially of the opposite sex. Being secretive and isolated. Being jealous or controlling with family members. Constantly blaming, belittling, or berating the child. Being unconcerned about the child and refusing to consider offers of help for the child's problems. Overtly rejecting the child. Appearing to be indifferent to the child. Seeming apathetic or depressed. Behaving irrationally or in a bizarre manner. Having poor impulse control. And or abusing alcohol or other drugs. Maltreatment or neglect. Maltreatment or neglect includes a parent or caretaker's failure to give the child food, clothing, hygiene, shelter, medical care, and supervision. Maltreatment or neglect may be difficult to identify correctly. What appears as maltreatment or neglect may be the result of poor parental or caretaker judgment, or it may be the result of poverty rather than neglect.
Maltreatment or neglect is a term used to encompass many situations. What they all have in common is that maltreatment or neglect is often determined by a lack of action, an act of omission regarding a child's needs. Most commonly, maltreatment or neglect is related to a failure to meet a child's physical needs, including food, clothing, shelter, supervision, and medical needs. But it can also refer to a failure to meet a child's educational and emotional needs. Maltreatment or neglect can range from a caretaker's momentary inattention to willful deprivation. Single incidents can have no harmful effects, or in some cases, they can result in death. Chronic patterns of maltreatment or neglect may result in severe developmental delays or severe emotional disabilities. Physical indicators of maltreatment or neglect include consistent hunger, obvious malnourishment, listlessness, or fatigue. Poor hygiene is constantly dirty or malodorous. Lacks sufficient clothing, inappropriate dress for age or season. Consistent lack of supervision, especially in dangerous activities or long periods. Abandonment. Child may frequently go to neighbors saying parents told them to stay away. Unattended physical problems or medical or dental needs, immunizations or glasses. Delayed physical development. And abuses alcohol or other drugs. Child's behavior. Possible indicators of maltreatment or neglect include begging or stealing food or money, extended stays in school, early arrival and late departure, frequent tardiness to school, infrequent school attendance, constant fatigue, falling asleep in class, alcohol and drug abuse, and states there is no caretaker. Parents' behavior. Possible indicators of maltreatment or neglect include misuses alcohol or other drugs has disorganized, chaotic, or upsetting home life, is apathetic, feels nothing will change, is isolated from friends, relatives, and neighbors, has long-term chronic illness, cannot be found, has history of neglect as a child, exposes child to unsafe living conditions, or evidences limited intellectual capacity. Emotional abuse. Physical indicators of emotional abuse include conduct disorders, fighting in school, antisocial behavior, destructive, etc. Habit disorders, rocking, biting, sucking fingers, pulling out hair, etc. Anxiety disorders, speech disorders, sleep problems, inhibition of play, phobias, hysterical reactions, compulsions, hypochondria. Lags in physical development or failure to thrive. Child's behavior. Possible indicators of emotional abuse include overly adaptive behavior, such as inappropriately adult or inappropriately infantile, developmental delays, mental and emotional, extremes of behavior, compliant, passive, aggressive, demanding, self-mutilation, suicide attempts or gestures. Parents' behavior. Possible indicators of emotional abuse include treats children in the family unequally, doesn't seem to care much about the child's problems, blames or belittles the child, is cold and rejecting, inconsistent behavior toward child, verbally terrorizes the child, continually and severely criticizes the child, failure to express any affection or nurturing, humiliation, or engages in actions intended to produce fear or extreme guilt in a child, sexual abuse, 
Sexual abuse can include promoting prostitution, fondling, intercourse, or using the child for pornographic materials. Consider the possibility of sexual abuse when the child exhibits some of the following. Physical indicators of sexual abuse. Has difficulty walking or sitting. Reports nightmares or bedwetting. Experiences a sudden change in appetite or complains frequently of abdominal discomfort or pain. Becomes pregnant, particularly in early adolescent years. Contracts a sexually transmitted disease, including venereal oral infections in pre-adolescent age group. Has sudden, unusual difficulty with toilet habits. Experiences pain or itching, bruises or bleeding in the genital area. Has torn, stained, or bloody clothing. Child's behavior, possible indicators of sexual abuse. Suddenly refuses to change for gym or to participate in physical activities. Demonstrates bizarre, sophisticated, or unusual sexual knowledge or behavior, particularly given the child's age. Sexual victimization of other children. Exhibits withdrawal, fantasy, or infantile behaviors. Poor peer relationships. Aggressive or disruptive behavior, delinquency, running away, or school truancy. Any sudden change in behavior. Self-injurious behaviors. Suicide attempts. Reports sexual abuse by caretaker. Exaggerated fear of closeness or physical contact. Parents' behavior, possible physical indicators of sexual abuse. Very protective or jealous of child. Encourages or forces the child to engage in prostitution. Encourages or forces sexual acts in the presence of caretaker. Misuses alcohol or other drugs. Is geographically isolated and or lacking in social and emotional contacts outside the family. And has low self-esteem. Case studies. Let's review the case studies in relation to identifying child abuse. Case number one was Corey. Corey is an eight-year-old boy who was brought into the emergency department where you work by EMS personnel after he was hit by a softball during physical education class at school. Corey lost consciousness for several minutes. During the physical exam, you note that he has bilateral bruises to his shoulders, arms, and abdomen. Crying, Corey reports that he was beaten up by classmates. When his father arrives at the ED, Corey becomes visibly fearful and stops crying. His father is clearly angry. He begins to shout at Corey about having to leave work early during an important business meeting. He was shouting at Corey about not paying attention to the game, about being a lousy ball player and acting like a baby. As the physician in the ED, you note the dad's behavior and how Corey is responding to it. Corey has bilateral bruises on his shoulders and arms. Accidental injuries tend to occur in one side or another, not usually on both shoulders or both arms. Corey's explanation that he was beaten up by classmates is not consistent with what EMS personnel describe about the injury during the physical education class. Corey is fearful when his father appears. Corey stops crying when his father appears. Corey's father is angry and not concerned about his son's injury. Corey's father belittles Corey about his ability to play softball. And Corey's father uses shame, i.e. acting like a baby, because Corey had been crying. Case number two is Juanita. You are a family nurse practitioner working in a primary care office. Juanita's mother comes to the office in follow-up to the hypertension noted at the last visit. 
She brings nine-year-old Juanita with her to the appointment, as she usually does. Today, you note that Juanita is withdrawn and has bruises on her face and arms. She looks like she's been crying. Juanita is typically a chatty girl who usually engages you in talking about her love of dancing, often showing off her latest moves for the staff. Her mother appears irritable and distracted. You ask her what's wrong, and she says she's fine. You mention that Juanita is so quiet and looks upset today, to which she replies that Juanita has been bad. What would you do if you were the nurse practitioner in this situation? She has bruises on her face and arms. Juanita has a change in behavior from outgoing and engaging to withdrawn and tearful. Mrs. Flores says Juanita has been bad. Case number three was Sam. Twelve-year-old Sam comes to school wearing only a short-sleeved T-shirt and jeans on days when the temperature is in the 30s. Sam is a quiet, slender young man. He often seems nervous. He is easily startled. Sam is a C student. He never seems to be paying much attention during class. He looks preoccupied. Sam doesn't make much eye contact. He spends most of his time alone. He doesn't really have any friends at school. Indeed, often Sam is the focus of harassment and teasing from his classmates. About two weeks ago, Sam came to class limping. He said he sprained his left ankle. The ankle didn't get better after a week, so you sent a note home to have Sam's family get medical attention for Sam. That was last week, and there's been no change. As the teacher in this seventh grade classroom, you wonder if Sam might be really injured. Sam wears a short-sleeved T-shirt even during cold weather. This is inappropriate attire for the season. Sam's family did not seek the medical attention that you, as the teacher, suggested because of Sam's limping and apparent injury to his left ankle. Sam seems nervous and is easily startled. Sam is preoccupied during class and doesn't pay much attention to the classwork. Sam doesn't make eye contact and is isolated at school. He's often teased at school. Sam's ankle is injured, and Sam's family has not sought medical attention for the injury. Case number four, Alicia and Martin. The visiting nurse comes to the home to follow up on 10-week-old Alicia. The baby was born to a 19-year-old mother with a history of cocaine addiction. Alicia weighed 6 pounds 2 ounces at birth and was not drug addicted. Today, the first day you've been able to get into the home since the referral was made six weeks ago, you note that Alicia weighs 4 pounds 6 ounces. The mom tells the nurse that she ran out of formula yesterday and hasn't had a chance to get to the store yet today. Alicia is fretful but does not cry. Also during the home visits, the nurse notes that three-year-old Martin has circular burn marks on his arms and legs. He is a lethargic child who cries frequently and is very shy and fearful of adults. The nurse examines Martin and finds that he also has a patterned bruise on his back, which looks like a wooden spoon. Alicia has lost significant weight since birth. Although some weight loss is not uncommon, by 10 weeks she should have gained more weight. The home is lacking formula for Alicia. Martin has circular burn marks on his arms and legs. The nurse notes that they look like cigarette burns. Martin has a patterned bruise on his back, which looks like a wooden spoon. Martin is lethargic, cries frequently, and seems fearful of adults. Case 5 is Tisha. Five-year-old Tisha has been to see her primary care provider almost weekly for the past month. Each week, Tisha has complained to her mother that her stomach hurts, so her mother brings her in to be examined. Tisha's only symptom is abdominal pain. She has no nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. 
she is well nourished and developmentally appropriate for her age. She has clearly been well cared for. Multiple diagnostic tests have been run over the past month. As the family nurse practitioner in this practice, you must inform Tisha's mother that Tisha has tested positive for syphilis. Tisha has frequent complaints about abdominal pain. These complaints often happen on Mondays after spending the weekend with her father. Five-year-old Tisha has tested positive for a sexually transmitted disease. Case number six, Leah and Tisha. As a clinical social worker, you are Leah's therapist. Leah is stepmother to five-year-old Tisha, having been married to Tisha's father, Michael, for the last six months. The whirlwind relationship has been the frequent topic of your sessions, particularly Michael's controlling nature. Leah has also talked about her role as a stepmother and her discomfort with it. She thinks that Michael and Tisha are too close. It makes her uncomfortable. Leah reports that she thinks Michael is too protective of Tisha, not really allowing her to play with other children when she is staying at their house, even limiting her contact and relationship with Tisha. In the last session with Leah, she told you that she fears that Michael is sexually abusing Tisha. She saw him leave Tisha's room early in the morning when he thought she was sleeping. She saw him toss a used condom in the trash. As the therapist, what should you do? Tisha's father is seen leaving Tisha's room and then throwing a used condom in the trash. Michael has a controlling nature. Leah is uncomfortable with the closeness between Michael and Tisha and his limitation of Tisha's playing with other children and even Tisha's getting close to Leah. Leah fears that Michael is sexually abusing Tisha. Case number seven, Marcus, Amber, and Isaiah. Sometimes the Shaw children come to school appearing to be hungry. You are the school nurse who comes to this school most afternoons, usually getting to the school at lunchtime. You know that the Shaw children don't often have any lunch. When they do bring a lunch, it's often not enough food. Other than this, the children seem well-groomed and well-behaved. The children are generally quiet, rather private. As the nurse, you begin talking to them and learn that their father does seasonal work and is often between jobs. How would you handle this if you were the school nurse? The children appear to be hungry when they come to school. The children don't have any lunch, or if they bring lunch, it is not enough. The Shaw children, normally quiet and private, when they speak to the nurse, provide information about their father's underemployment or unemployment. And case number eight is Tim. You remember at a residential treatment center for boys ages 13 to 16, recently some of the boys have alleged that they were sexually abused by staff. The internal investigations at the facility have never supported these claims. One of the registered nurses, Jean, suspects that what she's being told by the boys is correct. She has noted how some of the aides, mostly males, treat the boys so roughly on the one hand and then at other times are often way too familiar. Fifteen-year-old Tim showed Jean his bloody underwear. He also told Jean that one of the aides, Joe, was forcing him to have sexual relations with some of the other aides and that Joe was making money on it. Jean complains to the facility administrator about these allegations, but was told that an internal investigation has occurred and there is no evidence that these allegations are based in fact. Some of the boys at the residential treatment center have reported that they have been sexually abused by staff members. Tim showed his bloody underwear to the nurse Jean. Jean felt uncomfortable with the way some male staff interacted with the boys, either too rough or too familiar. And Tim told Jean that an aide, Joe, was forcing him to have sex and that Joe was making money since he was taping the sexual activity and then selling the tapes. Selling the tapes.
selling the tapes, selling the